We've always been driven by big inspirational goals, flying, developing medicine, walking on the moon. And while big goals are exciting, it's actually the little details, the small things that when done correctly and repeated over time, helps us achieve them. As business leaders face a new set of challenges, I'm on a quest to find the small things they need to keep in mind. My name is AJ Kalatanga, and this is One Small Thing, brought to you by Book Speakers Direct, the revolutionary way of selecting the best speaker for your event. My guest today is Bernard Salt, Executive Director of the Demographics Group, and one of Australia's most thought-provoking social commentators. Through his weekly columns, TV show, books and radio programs, Bernard has a magical ability to answer the questions on our minds regarding social, cultural and generational change. For his contributions, Bernard was awarded the Member of the Order of Australia in 2017. Thank you so much for joining us, Bernard. Welcome to One Small Thing. Thanks very much, AJ. Pleased to be here. So uh, we, we had a bit of a chat before about your your history in, in, in your career and, and, and you came up uh, as, a, as a management consultant through KPMG and you did something amazing in, in my eyes. You, you basically, um, you, you convinced KPMG to start a new business unit. Can you share a little bit about how you were able to do that? Uh, well, yes, in fact, um, I, um, I started effectively KPMG Demographics, which was really my, my little business unit, which we gave a name to eventually, um, and where I, where I focused on uh, looking at demographic issues um, as they relate to business. So let's just say, um, you know, a, a, a client wanted to look at the feasibility of a shopping centre, for example. So you need to look at the catchment area and the demographics behind that. And uh, I found that that aptitude for demographics, demographic interpretation, uh, and speaking to clients about it, you know, there was quite a market for it and, you know, put on other staff and so forth. And eventually uh, we called that uh, KPG demographics. And um, uh, that, you know, it, it went on from there. Um, so this was in the uh, late 90s, uh, early 2000s. Uh, of course, I uh, retired from the KPG partnership uh, about three, four years or so ago. Um, and together with a number of people who were with me in that uh, in that group, uh, continued on now with the uh, the demographics group. And basically, I'm doing what I've always enjoyed doing and like doing, and that is um, looking at numbers and telling stories about it. So, uh, you know, I always say in business, it's not the numbers. The numbers themselves are actually quite boring. It is the stories behind the numbers. And when you're presenting to business, you know, at the uppermost level of business, you know, whether it's a board or the CEO, the C-suite, that sort of thing. Uh, yes, they're very good with numbers, but what they want to hear is your interpretation, a credible interpretation of where the numbers are heading and why they're moving in that direction. And then, of course, they can uh, they can make their strategy choices as a consequence. So, uh, in in that respect, it's I'm an interpreter of numbers. That's as simple as it is, <laughs> I think. That is, uh, that's really interesting. I know in an age today, specifically today, uh, a lot of, lot of organizations, uh, pretty much anyone, anyone really, uh, trust is a big, big factor to that. So you mentioned that you're, uh, you basically tell the story behind the numbers. How do you generate that trust in your audience's mind? 
Well, look, I think audiences are very, um, very much the same. I mean, I've, I've been speaking professionally for uh, more than 20 years, uh, in fact, all over Australia, in fact, all over the world, wow. um, mostly around Australia, but, you know, audiences, you know, from Rome to Paris to London to wherever, uh, Costa Rica, um, wow. uh, in fact, uh, uh, you know, right across the world. And what I've discovered is that that audiences are the same, or at least business audiences, the audiences that, that come along to, to hear me. At the end of the day, you need, to, you need to be open, you need to be honest, you need to be authentic, you need to know your stuff, you need to be fluent, fluid, self-confident, you need to lean in, you need to, you need to be bold, you need to inject some humour into that. I mean, if, if a CEO, a board is going to give you 45 minutes of their time, they don't, be, they don't be lectured for 45 minutes. You know, make your point really powerfully up front, but then, then relax, make some amusing observations, and they will go with you. That, that is what stunned me. You know, I was, when I started, I was quite a young man speaking in front of these, uh, these boards or whatever, and I thought, oh, I can't be irreverent like this. I need to be really formal. And then, then I realised, no, these people like, they like you to take a risk, have a joke, um, and, um, and it shows command, it shows self-confidence. If he is this self-confident that he can make a joke and carry the moment, then the rest of his stuff must be good as well. So that, that was the kind of logic that uh, I think uh, won it over. Uh, never be intimidated by an audience. And in fact, I always found that the, the bigger the audience, the easier it was. The barrier to laugh is lower for a thousand people than it is for a boardroom full of, say, five or six people, because no, none of them will want to laugh in front of the others. But if there's a thousand people there, there's going to be some people that find what you say amusing, and then that, that, that infects the rest of the audience. So, uh, yes, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of stagecraft that goes with um, speaking and commanding um, uh, a presentation in public, especially in, in the space that uh, I've chosen, which is telling stories around numbers. That is, uh, that is incredible insights. And, and, you know, I've been speaking for 10 years, but probably professionally um, uh, a little bit shorter than that. But understanding the craft of, of all of us here, you know, the, the book speaker direct um, uh, family, I suppose, it's, it's fascinating to see. And, and uh, you know, uh, it's really interesting. Uh, Bernard, could you share... Uh, what you were thinking at your first gig, because I know your first gig was pretty much uh, the day of 9-11 in, in the States. Well, mm. it was the day before 9-11. So how did that impact, uh, you know, what, what was going through your mind for your first gig? Well, look, I, I was, uh, this was uh, September 11, 2001. Um, and I had been speaking at the odd event here and there. You know, people would ring me up and say, can you speak at our event, you know, in Coffs Harbour or something, one of them never been to Coffs Harbour, I'll go just to see what <laughs> Coffs Harbour was like. Um, but then a speaking agency um, contacted me and then said, you know, they'd like to represent me. And I said, well, that's fine. Here's the gig. It was actually the Property Council of Australia. Uh, and the event was held at the Western Hotel in, uh, in Sydney. And there might have been like four or five hundred people uh, in the audience. And I was never really intimidated. I felt very confident about what I had to say because I tested the material um, but uh, from, from that, and what I found was the more you control, the more you put yourself out there, the more you are humorous, the more you have fun with the audience, the more casual, the more left field your connections, 
the audience absolutely loves it. And if you put four or 500 people in an audience and, and deliver that presentation, there'll be 20 people in that audience that say, that was fantastic. I want him for my event uh, later on. Very early on, um, I used to talk about, um, you know, the demographics uh, of Australia or cities or, or whatever. And uh, I talk about baby boomers and uh, Generation X and whatever. I don't even think millennials have been invented at that stage. <laughs> and um, and I used to talk about, uh, because people would ask me, you know, where are all the single men? And so I did. I said, oh, here's a, here's a map of Sydney with here's all the single men over here and all the single women there. And uh and uh, you know, there's a there's a bridge between the Anzac Bridge, and I said that's the Bridge of Love. And the audience <laughs> absolutely erupted. This is my point about having fun. At the end of the day, this is census data. These are very serious business people in the audience. You need to make very sensible uh, uh, assessments of what they need to know. But in between that, you can you can have fun. You can have fun with it, and that and that, that builds connection. That, that is uh... people love that. That is incredible. Build fun, build connection. And, and of course, if you can make someone laugh, you know, they, you earn their trust almost as if by magic. Uh, Bernard, the, the goal of the One Small Thing podcast is that we are all driven by massive, world-changing, big ideas. But as you know, as a professional yourself who's built up your own practice, uh, you know that the, the devil is in the detail. The, the, it's really important to keep in mind the one small thing that will help you achieve the bigger goal. So the goal of this podcast is, is to basically bring together some of the brightest minds in Australia to share what they would like to keep uh, instill in, in the minds of all the executives out there that are actually trying to transform their companies in a post-pandemic era. So my question to you is, what is your one small thing that you would like to, everyone to keep in mind as they tackle the challenges ahead? Well, look, I think um, certainly for Australian business, and I would suspect that this applies um, elsewhere as well, you need to ensure that your business product, your business model fits the times, fits the market, if you like. And um, the times and the market in Australia, I think, for the last 10 years and for the 2020s is all about lifestyle. Uh, there is one common denominator interpretation that I have discovered in every data set, every census data set, every ABS data set that I've looked at for the Australian people, and I suspect the Americans to, to some extent as well, and maybe others, that is lifestyle. People are driven by lifestyle. And so that is uh, quality of life, housing, job, whatever. If you can actually, if you can actually trace your business proposition your value proposition back to how that is going to enhance the lifestyle of the of the average person in uh, in your market. Uh, then the rest is just technically making sure that you, you know, get the production right, the distribution right, the pricing right. But at the end of the day, it must service this basic human need or desire for lifestyle. Now, in previous years or generations, it might have been survival or know, just, just making do or getting by or whatever. We're past that. It's all about lifestyle. I mean, if you look at something like um, social media or, you know, smartphones, this is about lifestyle. Um, so if your product or service can enhance certainly the Australian quality of life and lifestyle, uh, then look, you're basically in the right place offering the right product at the right time. The worst thing is to be in the wrong place at the wrong time offering the wrong product. No matter how clever you are, no matter how hard you work, 
if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time offering the wrong product, you ain't got no hope. You need to make sure that you've got the, the basics right and then you'll just be carried forth, absolutely careen ahead, uh, being carried forth on that wave of aspiration and positivism. So get the basics right at the, at the CEO, at the board level, the rest is operational. And in my view, you get the basics right by making sure you're kind of aligned with the basic demographics of a, uh, of a market. Maybe that's, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm biased, but that's the way I, I see the world. No, that, that makes complete sense. And, and it's fascinating to sort of hear your insights around that because uh, before I, I moved into corporate innovation, I was speaking to small businesses and, and I've, I've sort of made the leap into larger corporates and, and the mindset between the two is quite different, even though they're both focusing on business. And, and it's fascinating to hear your take on it, uh, that, that it's, a, it's very similar challenges. You know, you're still trying to influence the right people, the right places to sort of reimagine the way business could be done. Uh, so, so I find that fascinating. Uh, you're an incredible storyteller. Uh, what is your tip for telling a great story? Uh, well, in, in my space, um, in corporate advisory, um, you need to have metrics. Um, you, you, you need to say, you need to have numbers, some numbers in the story. Uh, and that, and that, gives, um, that gives almost like it's sort of reinforcement. It's like, it's like steel reinforcement to concrete. If you're just making an assertion, then business doesn't want to know you. If you say that 10% uh, of people are spending this amount of money in that product area and that it's, that it's double the proportion of 10 years ago, that is immediately of interest. So you do need some, some credible numbers. You need to spend some time in proving the provenance of those numbers, not just you know 10% of people. According to the 2016 census completed by the Australian Bureau of Statistics, once every five years, that census shows that this proportion of the population spend time talking about the provenance of the data, keep the data in your head, and then tell a story about it. This is, this is why I think people are doing that. It's because of lifestyle. Then give an example. Numbers, story, example, provenance of data. And then being able to retain the key figures in your head and then practice. That is, and uh... look people in the eye. Look people in the eye. Dominate the room. Raise your hand. Put your hands out. Uh, be very, very self-confident about about your opinion and, and put it out there and then enjoy the interaction that flows from it. That is uh, incredible advice for, for all those uh, executives aspiring to be better influencers as well. So uh, Bernard, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show today. I really appreciate your, your uh, perspective. And uh, for those of you interested in booking Bernard, please refer on to BookSpeakers Direct website, bookspeakersdirect.com and uh, get in touch with Bernard directly and uh, make magic happen for your organization. <laughs> Bernard, thanks once again for coming on the show. I really appreciate it and uh, take care. Thanks very much, AJ. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it an appropriate thumbs up on whatever platform you're consuming it on and subscribe for future episodes. Thanks again to our sponsors, Book Speakers Direct, the revolutionary way of finding the perfect speaker for your event.